Shumrabyug. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Tiny Room. Welcome back to Michael and Benjamin's podcast. I am the Michael of Michael and Benjamin's podcast, and I am in the digital Shumrabyug. Sh- and I am joined in the digital Shumrabyug by the man who has two songs, who has had two songs written about him. Michael Jackson's hit classic, Ben, but also uh, Madonna's very famous song, Frozen, because his heart's not open. It's Ben. It's very much closed for business, Michael. Get yeah. out of here. Leave yeah. it alone. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, emotionally stunted man-child does podcast. <laughs> Nothing new and original here, Michael. No, it's... Theme music for the podcast. We don't actually have anything music. <laughs> Very good. You see, I thought you'd actually wanted me to make some sort of contribution, but then you just slammed me with the theme music. Benjamin. Yeah. Benjamin, I was on a thing this week. Where are you? Where and you, you were like, here's here's a bit of backstory, Ben. Here's here's how it goes. Every every week we have our little production meeting and we say, what do we talk about this week? We talk about issues and affecting things and what's good and what's hot and what's not hot. And Ben says, yes, yes, all of those things. And then I said, what about action figures, Ben? Shall we talk about them? And Ben says, oh, God, no. We yeah, don't no, have any. I, 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 I firmly stick the old foot down. Yeah. When it comes to action figures. Yeah, we won't have any action figures on this podcast, Sonny Jim, that's what he says. Yeah, because that's often how I refer to Michael, old, old Michael Sonny Jim. Sonny Jim. So Benjamin, what I did was, instead, I went on an action figure podcast YouTube channel. Did so you? you couldn't stop me. So I got to talk about action figures for 25 whole minutes and there was nothing you could do to stop me because you weren't even there. I'd say you were delighted. It was I'd great say fun. You were delighted ben. to escape was, the yoke of my oppression. Your tyranny. It was. Uh, it was great, Benjamin. I was on Brian's action figures reviews. Brian. Brian is an, a fellow Irishman's spouse. Yes, so, I, I, there are many of us, Michael. There are many Irishman's spouse, but Brian is one of the ones who are on YouTube, and he does action figures and toys and all that sort of stuff that you're not really caring about. But I do deeply, Benjamin. So I, I shook free from your tyranny and I went and I talked to Brian and anyone who wants to hear me talking about toys for some reason should probably go and give it a listen one of one of the funniest things Michael pointed out by by good friend of the podcast Shane yes is that you're actually very nice and affable on the other oh yes well uh, Benjamin show. I don't know Brian quite as well as I know either you or Shane so I have to reel in this the the sarcasm and the the biting meanness yeah, you were almost sound. It was disturbing to watch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was my public face, Ben. This is my real face. Um, in, in all fairness to Michael and Brian, it's very good. You should go over and watch it. We'll Look, Benjamin. pop the link up somewhere. We'll pop the link. It's already on com, so you can go on com and uh, get the link straight to it there. Or we'll probably put the link in this description if I don't forget. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Give it we'll some see. Sometimes I forget. <laughs> Sometimes Michael forgets. It's a forgetful old time. Michael! Yes? What's been going on this week? Well, Benjamin, there's been some sad news. Yeah, bloody grim news, there's Michael. There's been some very sad news, Ben. Uh, yeah. A legend of the comic books industry and a person who has very heavily influenced a lot of um, the, the pop culture landscape over the last, let's say, 30 years has died, Benjamin. How very sad. Yeah. It's very sad, Michael. Uh, Denny O'Neill, or Dennis O'Neill, I'm never sure how to say his name correctly. No, it's um, Denny, has, isn't it? I, I think it is Denny, but I'm not 100% sure. No, so um, I think it's, well, professionally, it's Denny. You're thinking of oh, Denis Villeneuve, Ben. Ah, that's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, you anyway, are. Anyway, um, Denny O'Neill has passed away, and for people that don't know who that is, 
He was massively influential during the 70s and 80s at DC Comics. In fact, many regard him as the architect of modern DC. Mm. Um, Many people feel that he is the man who really pushed a lot of heroes who were struggling after the Golden Age into a whole new era. Um, Silver Age silliness aside, his most famous work probably as an individual would be the... Did my voice just break in the middle? A little bit, yeah, you're getting a bit emotional. (laughs) Anyway, he was really influential and a very special man, and uh, not to actually make light of it, but Hal Jordan, uh, his Hal Jordan, Oliver Queen, Green Arrow, Green Lantern miniseries in the 80s is seen as something of a formative work for realistic issues in comics. He is the man who introduces the concept of kind of drug abuse in the hero circle and and things like that and a hero's failures becoming their next challenge and things like that. So there was a lot of depth added to characters under his his penmanship. He also and very famously been um penned one of the most one of the most famous um comic panels of the last couple of decades where an older gentleman says to the Green Lantern, I see you've done a lot for the Blue Skins and you were off on some other planet helping out the Purple Skins, but there's only one Skins you ain't done nothing to help and that's the Black Skins. And I want to ask, what's that about? Uh, well, it's obviously a, a racially motivated thing whereupon uh, many of the key DC superheroes didn't really do a lot for people of colour in the old comic books. I suppose no one did really, Ben. I no mean, one did really, but... you uh, can. You can somewhat excuse it, I feel, on the basis that when comics were invented, they were written largely by young white men and aimed largely at young white men. Yes, with zero knowledge and uh, wherewithal to actually be inclusive in their work. However, Michael, it should be pointed out that ignorance is no excuse. <laughs> well, I um, mean, I mean, well, that's the good thing, isn't it? That things change and things yes, progress. Yes, things have changed. I mean, to, um, look, to look back on comics that... Uh, white guys in the 40s wrote for white 10-year-old boys and hold them by today's standards would be a little bit strange, wouldn't it, Ben? Oh, Michael, look at you dropping breadcrumbs for later in this episode. Mm, just just crumbling up biscuits and spreading them around. Num, 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 num. Num, 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 num. It's not my first podcast, Benjamin. <laughs> for example, I was on Brian Brian's Action Figure Reviews last week. Check it out in the description. Uh, mm, <clears throat> So anyway, what are we saying? <laughs> he has also uh, been massively influential on one of my favorite characters, if not my favorite character, Michael Batman. Um, he yes, kind of saved yeah. Batman. Go on, him and Neil Adams. Um, Neil Adams being the artist at the time. Um, I would strongly recommend that anybody who enjoys Batman never read a solely penned and drawn issue of Batman by Neil Adams because it's like an acid trip gone horribly, horribly wrong. But if you do want to read some classic Batman shenanigans and kind of get to the root of where his dark, darker persona kind of came from, then check out Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams' run on Batman. He Anything that you like about Batman in a modern sense was written by Denny O'Neill. Yeah, he also basically reinvented the Joker away yeah. from a kind of troublesome trickster into a murderous lunatic. Bloody, bloody Fruit Loop. Yeah, and bloody. Rachel Ghoul, Ben. Yes, he gave him an old boosty-woosty. and yeah, he bloody uh, made him up. up as one of the big titans of... Oh, yeah, sorry, he didn't reinvent him at all, yeah. Michael. You're no, he just, right. just he invented. invented. Just plain yeah, old just invented him. Plain old invented. No reinvention here. And I think it'd be fair to say that the modern iteration of Batman would be nothing without that character. What would his grandson being his bloody... Batman's illegitimate son. It's just it's mental. It's mad. It's mad. It's been, it's yeah. had a massive effect on comics. And he, as you said, he was the one who kind of 
brought the idea of dealing with real world issues into comics. Yep. So I mean, it, it other than compared- punching Hitler in the head, obviously. Because oh, the forties, that, that the forties, the forties comic dealt with that a lot, and hilariously enough to us now, looking back on it, that actually was a real world issue at the time. Yeah, it's, that's the thing. People are like, oh, <laughs> look at this strange, strange guy. No, no, that would have been quite, yeah, yeah, quite, that's <laughs> quite important that's at the time. The equivalent of going to punch Trump in the head. Now, I'm not saying Trump is Hitler. That's not what I'm implying. I'm saying it's a real world parallel, <laughs> divided as it is across time. Ladies and gentlemen, we have made it through about 150-odd episodes without political leanings. And on this episode, we're going to undo it all. No, I haven't said that. That's not what I've said. I'm just saying it's a, <laughs> it's a prominent public figure getting punched in the head. That's all I've yeah, said. Yeah, you, you wouldn't... It, it'd, be a, it, it'd be very um, prescient at the moment, Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if it were, were then and now. Um, it would be unfair to say that he came up with that concept, as in real-world problems for superheroes, because that always goes to Stan Lee. But he certainly didn't gloss over the much darker sides of American society. Um, People doing the drugs. People doing the drugs, racial tension. Yeah. um, Things like that. He was not completely responsible for Jon Stewart becoming the first black Green Lantern, but he did green light a lot of that at DC. Green, very good, Ben. Green light. Has see what you've done there. That's very clever. Yeah, very honest, to lads. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a, a fairly big passing. I don't know how much of an influence he had in the industry in his last years. No, I don't um, know if he's been terribly active. Yeah, I mean, he's, I think he was still active though up until the very end as an editor, anyway. But, well, there you um, go. But yeah, yeah, sad, sad times. Ben. Yeah, sad times. So eighty-one years of age, and that was the end of uh, Denny O'Neill. Speaking of sadness, Ben. What series of events have led me to United as well? Uh, sheer boredom and an early release on Disney Plus. Oh, very <laughs> good, Benjamin. Is is what led good. you, uh, Michael? You and I have always been champions of the Irish here at the uh, Michael and Benjamin's podcast. Yes, and um, I, having been a, a long time fan of the Artemis Fowl book series, was very excited to see what would happen when Disney, a legitimately yep. decent company at making an old film, they can make some their- films got their hands on a beloved Irish childhood property. And and Michael... Yes? There are two things that probably should have been a, a big old red flag for me. Go on. Uh, number one was that yeah. it's been stuck in development hell for 20-odd years. Yes. Um, and number two is that we let Americans touch an Irish property. <laughs> uh, and Michael, I should have bloody known. Now, Michael, I sat down to this and I was so very, very hopeful. Yes, you, um, had, a, you had a cup of uh, Bovril. And, yes. Uh, you uh, put on your popcorn. Yes, I wore my popcorn. You yes. reminisced about your childhood. Yes, I, I lost myself in a haze of childhood. And I sat down with my parents who used to listen to the... Well, they were kind of uh, forced to listen to the audiobooks constantly when I was younger. Very um, good, yeah. So they were they were quite intrigued to see what Disney had done with an old Irish property, um, and Michael, yes, we we sat down and within five minutes we realised that the young man cast a star in this little shindig, yes, um, couldn't change his facial expressions. I don't know he... whether it was a, a medical condition or <laughs> perhaps <laughs> he was astounded by something the whole time and trying to play it cool. He may have had a large monster in the corner of the screen that we couldn't see. Look, Benjamin, I don't know if it's fair to lay the blame of this on a 13-year-old. Oh, no, it's not. But, uh, because 
He's terrible. God bless him. God, <laughs> God bless. bless. God bless God the young Ferdia Shaw. He is absolutely oh. terrible. Um, and he's terrible to the point of, I think the film knows that he's terrible. So yeah. he's barely fucking in it. He really is. He's so sidelined um, by this movie. And it, it's, gosh, it's awful for him. Um, it's just, it's really bad for him. I, it's kind of shocking because it, on the surface, it had the bones of decency. Kenneth Branagh was in to direct the whole thing. They had a fairly legitimate cast of decent enough actors. They had Josh Gad. Uh, they had Dame Judi Dench. Dame, Dame Judi Dench was playing Marion Finucan. Yeah, it was really strange. It Get on really that strange. fucking train now and I'll send you up to the human world, but don't be messing or I'll come and I'll poke you up the hole. Yeah, um, one of my favourite kind of things, Michael, I read this The Guardian. This is James Doji Dench now, I'm in this film. Um, I'm Irish, I think, in this film. <laughs> I'm going to give you an interesting... Go away, uh, Colin Farrell. Go and geez. get him and bring him back from the land of the feckin' fairies. <laughs> Top of the morning. Jesus. So anyway, I know I'm underplaying that slightly, Ben. You, you are. You don't as compared to do Judy it Dench, But I don't think I, if I exaggerate too much, I think it'll lose a lot of its effect. So, one of the things that I found most interesting here, Michael, um, get up to that human world, is it has clearly suffered from a thousand reshoots. Yeah, and there's a lot of ADR. Ferdius Shaw is sidelined. By having to come in in and record a lot of lines over panning footage and montage footage. And the back of his head. The back of his head. Because I think they just realized this kid isn't, he he isn't acting. He's, (laughs) I don't know what he's doing, but it's not. And it's, again, I don't know how he got the job. Well, you know, he's the grandson of uh, famed actor Robert Shaw. Yeah, but, you know, the apple fell quite far from the tree on this particular occasion, Michael. Yes, uh, into the sea and was eaten by sharks. And um, was eaten by sharks. You're quite right, though, Ben. There is a lot, and I think you've undersold it there a little bit. There's a lot of evidence that this film is not the film that Kenneth Branagh, noted decent filmmaker Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. It's not the film that Kenneth Branagh made, I don't think. Because no. there are lots of things in it that seem to imply it's not the film that was filmed. For one, almost all of Artemis Fowl's dialogue is ADR. Almost all of it. Very little is him visibly speaking on camera. Almost ever. Yeah. Then there's the wholly, wholly and deeply unnecessary framing device of Hagrid in the prison <laughs> that makes no sense and has clearly been added to add some kind of structure to a very choppily recut film yes exactly and even bizarrely about that he's doing a different voice in the voiceover than his character has in the film yeah he in puts the film on this he... bizarre gruff yeah Back in Ireland, where Ferdia's swimming on the surfboard that never gets mentioned again for some reason. Artemis Fowl Jr. loved his country. Did he? Did he? He never mentioned it. Never mentioned it once. No. Never mentioned it. No. And, I mean, the Farreller is... What's the Farreller doing? 
He's found what's he, in completely. What's he doing in it? He's a, there's one scene, Michael, and I, I don't know if you recall this. Um, it's it's very early in the film. He's having an interaction with his son, and I put yeah, that in yeah. quotation marks. Yeah, yeah, because they're acting, um, and he looks off screen, and you could just see him being like, "It, it, it it's not a, an acting choice. It's more of a, am I really going to say this? Is this really this is what I'm working? With? <laughs> is this what you want this me to kid, say? This, this is the this line. Is stone. I'm acting with a stone, and he kind of has that moment. And I, I think it would be unfair to place all the blame, as you said, at Ferdia Shaw's feet because his, his kind of counterpart, his famous antagonistic banter relationship from the comics, uh, Captain Holly Short, is played by an equally dry and empty. I character. actually thought she was a lot better. Um, by comparison, by comparison, still. the actress was fine. the The issue with her was the character and its complete lack of motivation. And like, yeah, I mean, I watched this film, Ben, and I still don't know why her father, who we never saw or heard anything really about, took the thing and gave it to Farrell, Colin Farreller, I think. But Colin Farreller was a, pr- a criminal, and like, are they criminals or not, Ben? That's the thing. Apparently, in this iteration, yeah. um, Colin Farrell is some kind of great protector of Irish culture. Yeah, he uh, stole the book of Kells. Then <laughs> I, I honestly believe, Michael, that the the whole. Okay, so can we do mild spoilers? Oh, we can do full spoilers because, okay. to be honest, Ben, as the great Jane Doogie Gent herself would say, "Fuck off away from me with this film." <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll find that's pronounced get the four leaf clover away from me oh, with that hell. film. Um it's one so, of the worst things I've ever seen. Ben, I through a series of events I had to watch the 1990 the 2006 telly movie The Ron Clark Story starring Matthew Perry from Out of Friends what? about a, a teacher, a teacher who <laughs> teaches in an inner city school. And Look, I won't get into why I had to watch it, but it was so much better than this multi-million dollar Disney fucking movie. It's so bad. It's awful. It's so bad. Do you know how bad it is? My mother, who never has a bad word to say about anything, just went, can we stop watching this, please? I know. That's the thing. It's just, it's, it's so un- dull. It's, it's borderline unwatchable. Um, sorry, you were saying there. Sorry, mild spoilers. Uh, the the mild spoilers on this. Although Ben, I don't feel you can spoil a thing when things happen that make no sense or have no reason. Yeah, so there's, there's not necessarily a plot in this yeah, film um, per se. I think Kenneth Branagh's vision for it Kenneth might Branagh. have been Kenneth yeah. Branagh. Sorry, yeah. his vision, director Branagh, yeah. might have had a very different vision for this film. I think it would have been much more closely based on the original events of the book. Yes. I think within those reshoots, um, a lot of that opal mystery villain deception yeah. was added yeah. to give it a more overarching villain. Yeah. Um, and I'm not 100% certain that that MacGuffin, the the Aculus... O- yeah. Or, or whatever it was. Occup- whatever, it, whatever was, it was, yeah. Was originally in the film. Yeah, I'm pretty sure added. it wasn't. I'm pretty sure uh, it wasn't. I think that was very much added towards yeah. the end um, to give them a, a more concrete thing to hunt for. To make um, him a good guy. To make him a good guy. Um, we, we can't get too much in the book because we're going to do that next week, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, down. we'll do that um, next week. We can hear all about the thing. But one of the key things about the original book is Artemis Fowl Jr. Yeah. is not a good guy. No, he's a baddie. Ben. He's quite an evil, not evil, 
but he's very duplicitous, very manipulative, and he's hyper intelligent. In this, he reads his dad's diary and clips yeah. some things together. And he's slightly mean to a pushy psychologist at a certain point. Benjamin, he claims that uh, Albert Einstein is the only person he would be willing to consider an equal. What a prick. What what a tosser. What an absolute prick. Ben, I mean, everyone knows that I'm easily more intelligent than you, but I'll still still enjoy a conversation with you without being a prick about it. Well, except for the times that you remind me that you're easily oh, more yeah, intelligent yeah. than Like me. just now on the podcast. Uh, like just now oh, on yeah, the yeah, podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've not proved my own point there. Sorry, Benjamin. But, <laughs> what, but there are other things as well. Like at the end, uh, uh, oh. Judy Dench says to him on the phone, Who the fuck are you, you little prick? And he says, I'm Artemis Fowl. I'm a master criminal. And puts this glasses on. He hasn't been a master criminal the whole time. He found hasn't out his dad was a... He hasn't done any criminal. Hasn't done it and, once. And he found out his dad was a criminal literally 15 minutes ago and dropped his milk. He was so shocked. He was... Scr- yeah, my dad. And he yeah. Get out of here. Make up your <laughs> mind, film. What is going on? And he starts screaming, he's not a criminal, he's, he's not a dad. criminal. And then 20 minutes later, he's calling himself a master criminal and putting on glasses like he's oh. in an opening scene from 1990's oh, CSI Miami. Oh, he's Michael. A, oh, the dumbassery bit. And um, then, then his, uh, his butler. Oh, I mean, that's, his butler so, has a lot of explaining to do. There, well, there's some potential there as an interesting character for like a, a big, strong murder man. This but is why my the heck? Huge... Well, hold on. Let me finish well, my on, point for on. a second. Because I actually finish. As I say, Ben, I don't. I, I haven't read the books, so I don't really care if that butler is reminiscent of the character in the books or not. That, okay, that means nothing to me. But why the heck was his daughter in it? She did niece. nothing. 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 Literally nothing. She just flits in and out of the film. Every now and then they go, oh yeah, she's also here, isn't she? Again, Michael, I think she probably had a much bigger part in the original cut. Oh, I, I reckon she was she was entirely added in post. Was Michael. oh okay, just to just to kind of flesh it out. Yeah. Uh, it's it's look, there are many many complications with that. I it one of the greatest crimes of this, Michael, is the. The cuts, the edit is insane. It doesn't linger on any one shot for longer than 45 seconds to a minute. No, look, um, in, in a few years, Ben, we're going to be scrambling to release the Branagh cut, I'd say. <laughs> but I think one of the more interesting things is, Michael, there's no character development from any None. of those characters. None um, whatsoever. There are no characters in this. And there are two key moments when we're supposed to take a plot progression based on a character growth moment one of those is butler standing by uh, artemis's side yeah um there's the scene where they take out all the fairies without breaking a sweat yeah and we are never given any hint that either of those people has any capability of doing that before the the scene well with with butler we're told he does we're told but we're never actually shown yeah that he could but, take out an entire elite force of things. Not to mention the fact that he has a magic bow and arrow. Yeah, where did he get that? That is never explained. All of a sudden, he knows how to use Holly Short's weapon without blinking. Yeah. Just oh. like, oh yeah, cool, fairy weapon. Yeah. And the second time... One of the maddest, stupidest films I've ever seen in my life. Sorry, go on. 
yeah, the, the other thing where where the real sin is, is there's a serious moment between Holly Short and Artemis Fowl where they decide to trust each other. Yeah. Because they bond over their missing daddies. Nothing would indicate that she would ever trust the person yeah. who tranquilized her and put her in a cage. It's yeah. like their second conversation ever. And he just says, you're going to have to trust me. She and got Holly bloody... Short says, yeah, grand. Okay, that's grand then. <laughs> I have Copenhagen then. syndrome. Um, <laughs> Michael, it was so bad. It's terrible. The best, the best scene in it was the Italian troll scene. That was fine. Yeah, that was fine. That was fine. That was fine. It was the first time I watched it and went, yeah. That was fine. Yeah. yeah, that was fine. But also, I was watching that going, why is any of this happening? What has this got to do with Artemis Fowl? Well, I thought this was an Artemis Fowl film. They've realised that this, the Holly Short character is both more interesting and a better actress. So they've made it her film instead. Yes. But I don't care about either of them. Also, Ben, why does the time-stopping thing work entirely differently the two times they use it? Because this is a, you, know, you mean in the sense of Italy having everybody freeze except for the yeah. fairies. And then and when they go well, to Ireland, it look, just... We can fuck. get into that into the book. Uh, one of the things that marks Artemis Fowl out as a genius in the books is that he figures out a way to beat the time-stop system. Yes, I've heard of it. I, I've read about it where he's asleep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, he goes but, to bed. Not in but, this, though. They just stumble through it. They just stumble this, through grand. it and he's win pure through pure chance. He's pure grand. It's it's one of the worst films I've ever seen. It was I, so upsetting. I, I would have to agree with you. Michael, as I told you over by text, it threw tears that you couldn't see. <laughs> um, my childhood was good. Um, Benjamin... And I often, I often hassle you when we're making this podcast and say, Ben, keep your negative opinions to yourself, you, <laughs> you big Debbie Downer. But I, I can't get, I was even nice about Bright, Ben. I was nice about Bright. You were nice Remember about Bright? Bright. I was nice about Bright. Bright but is I can't, better than Artemisville. This is my limit. And then the constant <laughs> Irish, Irish music playing. Paddy Wackery. And he, the... Uh. Like the having an American top and tail it by going the land of Ireland where there's mysteries and everything's magic. Here's a little prick. He's as wooden as a plank, and he, is he as bad or the He doesn't know what he is. Oh, get get out of here. Get out of my face. The but fucking I, centaur guy. The oh, centaur what is guy. that about? And he's walking around, and he's a man. He has a man's body with a man's vocal cord and a man's head, and he keeps going. <laughs> Stop it, you big dumbass. That's a noise the horses make. You're not a horse, you're a centaur. You're a centaur, you bloody four-legged prick. That Um, makes as much sense as me doing it. Yeah, I'm going to have to do a lot of sound limiting on this episode. Once it starts spilling out, it's pretty tough. Um, I do do think one of the key things to point out, Michael, is people are going to blame your man, Ferdia Shaw, for this. I don't blame and, him. I blame the casting, the directing, yeah, the, whoever, the writing, that, the Exactly. Whoever let that young man star in a film or attempt to lead a scene, I don't care whose grandfather, no, whose grandson he is, he should not have been put in that role. Look, Ben, the problem is it's not a role. It's not a role. It's not a character. It's just a smug prick who's almost entirely redubbed in ADR. Yeah, facing away the the amount of time we look at the back of his head and he's speaking, shocking. 
because that's the only shot they could get to squeeze in some exposition. It's awful. Look back, Ben, to Harry Potter. Daniel Radcliffe was no great actor in the first Harry Potter. No. And, I mean, Hermione is obnoxious in the first Harry Potter. Yeah, she's terrible. It's Wingardium Leviosa. Like, shut up. Uh, You're lucky Jane Jens didn't come up and go, shut the fuck up now, I'll fucking (laughs) kick you in the head. (laughs) I'll I'll have your badge for this. I'll have your badge. Hermione. She, she turned out to be Irish, I think, Ben. I think she was Irish. One of my favourite things, Michael, I, I, I had a watch, or I had a read of the, the Guardian's review. And um, they, just interestingly, to show how out of touch certain people are, they were saying she was from Cornwall. I think, and I watched the film and I was like, she's supposed to be from Northern Ireland. I think that's the clear intent I, I don't, behind it. Like, I mean, you could you could argue Cornwall as well, to be fair. Yeah. And then what, was she being racist when she said top of the morning when she arrived in Ireland? I think that's one of the few things that The Guardian liked. They were like, there are some refreshing nods to her Irish hair. And I was sitting there going, come on, The Guardian. That's pretty racist. <laughs> that's, that's pretty racist stuff. Oh, that's Jesus not our heritage. I was, And then they focused for about half the article on the fact that um, Domovoy Butler is a black man doing a white man's work. Um, oh, oh which, so that, that that review took some pretty some pretty hefty liberties. It's oh, but, get out of here, film. Yeah, it was pretty rough as a review. Um, but yeah, Michael, I think I can honestly say um, for both of us, don't don't watch this film. Don't watch it. Don't um, watch it. It's barely a film. It get the audio books for your kids if if you want your kids to have more exposure to Irish culture in in literature and stuff. Buy the books on audiobook. Or to books, Ben. The old-fashioned books teach the little shites how to read. Even read the comic book. There was a great comic book adaptation by Scholastic. I tell you Um, what, Ben. Next week, we're going to talk about who even is Artemis Fowl. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll read the first two books. Will I have time to do that in a week? You'll get through one of them in a week. Well, you'll probably get through two of them. You're very fast. Um, I'm not commuting, though, Ben. So I might be a bit slower, but I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. Give it a go. You should get through the first book in next to no time. Okay, good. Um, so you'll be able to do that. I will join you and refresh yeah. my memory good. by reading it with you. Very good. Uh, so we'll bloody do that. Yes. Um, Michael. Yes, Benjamin. I got a very strange text from you. Yes. Um, during the week. Don't, don't tell people what it said. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a very simple text, Michael. It said, can you explain Comicscape to me? Oh, um, good, okay. To which to which I nearly fell off my chair, Michael. Yes. Um, because that is something that you would normally never express interest in. Um, and uh, to be fair, Michael, we're, we're going to have to play a game here. Because as yes. you know, Michael, I am yes. a noted racist. Yes. Bigot. Oh, yes. Misogynist. Yes. I'm fairly certain I'm an Elisa's classes prick as well. Yes, 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 um, yes. And I have a bit of a knowledge bias. Yes, and um, you also hate Ferdia Shaw, it turns out. It turn- as it turns out, I'm against young men getting ahead in the acting business. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all of these things have really... I'm just an all-round prick, Michael. Um, and so it makes sense that you would want me to explain an event that is occasionally centred around all-round bricks. Uh, ask one oh, of their own, good. so good. to speak. I see what you've done. Um, but Michael, to do this effectively, you yes. asked me to explain Comicsgate, yes. but also do it in a, a nice, balanced way. Yes. So Michael, I'm going to play a game with you today. Oh no, like Whenever so. I stray from, yes. the, from the nice, balanced account of this, you are mm-hmm. going to casually lean into yeah. your microphone and go, <clears throat> Well... 
let's just let's just set up a little scenario first, Ben. Cool. I genuinely have not followed Comicsgate. I okay. don't really know what it is. Okay. I even, to be honest, Ben, only have the vaguest awareness of Gamergate, which I think right. was the precursor to to Comicsgate. Very much but so. I don't tend to follow any sort of gate type thing. Usually so, because it's scandalous and designed purely for clickbait purposes, Michael. Often. But also, you know, my my personal philosophy on these kind of things, Ben, is leave people to have their own complaints as long as they're not, like, actively hurting other people um, and let them do their whinging. But when I say to you, can you explain it in a relatively neutral way? That's asking it, basically. I don't want to hear one side's opinion of it. But... I mean, there's a pretty good chance that one side in this argument is actually wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't want us to present a fair and balanced case and say, yeah. yes, they're right. Like, if someone is clearly in the wrong on this, I would like to know. But the, the long and short of it is, I genuinely don't know the story behind Comics Gate, okay. and I would like to hear it. Right. And I will I will help you do that, Michael. Um, okay. So one of the things that I would like to point out to some of our listeners, because I know some people listen to this out loud in their homes and they might have children. There's a little bit of language in this that yeah, I will well, have I mean, to cover um, yeah. to do that. Don't listen to this one out loud. It's a headphones episode from this point on. To be um, fair, I've been swearing a lot anyway when I was yes, James Duty Dench. So. But some of this is grim. So okay. headphones episode from now on. So. Okay. Oh, right, Michael, exciting. To get to get through the first part of this, um, we've got about twenty five minutes. Man. <laughs> into oh no, this will be fine. Twenty five okay. minutes is more than enough. Um, in two thousand and seventeen, uh, a woman called Flo Steinberg passes away, Michael, um, yes. in those United States or that America, that America as we call it. Yeah. Uh, Flo Steinberg was seen by many as a rather revolutionary comics publisher because she was a woman and one of the first women to kind of get up there and hold her own with the likes of Stan Lee. Um, Jack Kirby etc things like that and she was part of that whole scene one of the things she championed while a publisher at Marvel Comics and other comic uh, publishing houses after that was that she would often give young female creators a chance to publish their work okay so with her passing I've um, never heard of her Ben um, I mean she she was she a story editor she was a, a story editor, as far as I know. Uh, I don't have the exact, but she was very well respected in the community and quite often seen to champion female creators. Okay. Um, as possible. And what you have to bear in mind there, this would have been at a time when they really were excluded from the comic book industry. Um, okay. So, um, how were they excluded, res- Ben? Was uh, there a sign the at the door saying no girls? Bit of, probably not. But it was okay. a bit of a boys' club, Michael. Okay. Um, and as you've rightly pointed out many times, comic books back in the day were usually written exclusively for boys. Well, not so there was probably I, that kind I, of bias. I would I wouldn't say written exclusively for boys, Ben. Actually, I would say aimed at boys. Aimed at boys. Okay, so we'll we'll stick with that. Aimed at boys. So anyway, unfortunately, she passed away. Um, and a group of of then female staffers from Marvel uh, went to get milkshakes to honor her. Okay. okay. Did their milkshakes bring all the boys to the yard? Uh, In a sense, I suppose it did. Well, in a strange and twisted sense, yes, it did. Just Um, the wrong boys. Yeah, the boys you wouldn't really want in your yard. Um, So, yeah. One of the creators that was at this event, uh, a woman called Heather Antos, at the time, um, she was a story editor for Gwenpool. 
which had been circulating okay. at that time. Yeah. She decided to document this because quite a few of the female workers who worked at Marvel at that time were there getting milkshakes. And right. they simply said, for fabulous flow, hashtag fabulous flow. Um, right. Which is Flo Steinberg. Now, Michael, no, 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 no. There was blood in the water from that point on, right? Um, right? They seem to have then been targeted. Heather Antos, in particular, seems to have been targeted from that point on by every single internet troll with an axe to grind. Good. Um, okay. She receives several drama. tweets in response to this. Yeah, it's it's drama. Um, yeah. She receives several tweets in response to this um, along the lines of uh, the creepiest collection of SJWs anyone could imagine. Uh, okay. This is what's wrong with the comic industry today. When um, we're having a milkshake. Yeah. So there were a couple of accusations that this was a Marvel push. Okay. That this was a, a Marvel kind of agenda. Um, and it later transpired that it, it wasn't at all. Um, this was a group of women out for milkshakes, documented things, like thousands of people who quite often document their daily lives on the social medias. Sometimes um, we do it. That's what it's there for. So, um, what happens next is, is a bit of a, a schism, I suppose. Uh, most of the comics industry jump to defend Heather Antos, who becomes, I suppose, the focal point for all this anger and vitriol and uh, very negative speech, Michael. Right. Um, Just now, let me cut you across you for a second, Ben. You might one. be going to get to this, but was there already backlash against this group of creators before this? So, not in the sense of it being collective. There was a general kind of there was a general kind of dislike of female creators, and that was, as you said, largely inspired by the events of Gamergate. Um, okay, that had kind of stirred the pot here, Michael. Female. Um, cre- Female creators, Ben, but also what I suppose the people on the other side would call SJW creators. Yeah, so social justice warrior creators. Yeah. Um, that that label, SJW, yeah. carries all kinds of connotations with it. There's a lot of terms that get thrown around when we deal with that topic. For example, virtue signaling, mm. um, white knighting, th- things like this. They, they get thrown around. Virtue signaling is is the concept of showing support when it isn't called for or... Um, pushing an agenda, usually a liberal leftist agenda in some form when it isn't called for um, in a certain situation. So there's all kinds of things that go with that. Um, And as it turns out, quite a few people, quite a few comic book fans, um, had had a bit of an axe to grind. Mm. Um, So what comes out of that is um, one person seems to take this to another level. He really starts to to push and pull at Heather Antos as a creator and, and try to goad her into responses and things like that. And, and his name is Richard Meyer. Um, okay. Now, at the time, Richard Meyer was, had a, a relatively successful YouTube channel, around 88,000... Uh, no, sorry, 50,000 followers in, in the beginning. And his That's YouTube more channel, successful than us. Much more successful than us. Yeah. Um, his channel was ironically called Diversity in Comics. Oh. Um, and Richard Meyer is still active today um, and he basically targets SJW creations within comics what he considers to be SJW agendas da 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 anything oh so his name his YouTube name actually was ironically called Diversity in Comics yeah he because he's (laughs) okay because he doesn't support diversity in comics yeah he doesn't support diversity in comics well 
I doubt that would look. We're 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 prescribing something to him there. I doubt he's against diversity in comics. I would say he's against forced diversity in comics. Oh, I'd I'd hold on a second there, Michael. All right, okay. Well, oh. I don't know, uh, Ben. ben this oh, isn't like those. This isn't like those murder podcasts where it's two people <laughs> no. talking about a murder. I'm just trying they... to lay it out as 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 we go along. So... No, no, I'm I'm just saying it's not like those murder podcasts where both people actually know what happens. Oh yeah, no, you don't is... know. <laughs> I actually don't know. So like, yeah. it might sound a bit like I'm just like the one who's being told about the murder, going, "Oh, that's fascinating," and what happened next? <laughs> but I genuinely don't know. So anyway, so please take my questions, Ben, as genuine inquiry, not attempting to stir something he takes advantage of this um, oh okay that's very loaded language but all right uh no he, um because i think he kind of recognizes that uh, there is a genuine dislike um of of diversity in comics um and his youtube channel begins to forced grow diversity in comics ben. forced diver- I, again just hang on um <laughs> Just where are we going? Done. I'm so excited. I can't wait to see where this goes. <laughs> so he begins to put out regular videos and he amasses, I suppose, a little army of people that will... Um, oh, that's some loaded language as well. But all right, go on. ...do what he wants. All right. Um, with regards to targeted campaigns against certain creators and um, mobilizing negative uh, kind of actions towards online presences from other people. Okay. Um so during this so, time I mean trolls is what you're saying. Y- yeah. He mobilized he, an army of trolls. Kind of. Yeah. Like like um, in the film Artemis Fell. Like in the film Artemis Fell. He in fairness probably did it better than Artemis Fell. That's <laughs> more of a, more entertaining more of anyway. A, more of a shine on that. So um to understand a little bit more about Richard Meyer, um, he is former American military, former United States okay. military. Yeah. Um, and he is a comic creator in his own right. He right. he writes comics um, that are not published by any of the big companies, but he often goes through independent publishers and he has now started Kickstarters. All of his comics kind of center around the military in yeah. some form. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he'll very often... Um, He'll particularly target comics that he feels portrays the military in a negative um, light. He's okay. not a huge fan. Um, How long was he in the military for? Two years, Michael. So okay, he's it, one of it's, those guys. It's, yeah, he's one of those guys. I'm a veteran from 2010 yeah. to 2012. Okay. Um, so he's one of those guys. Um, and so he begins to kind of tackle certain creators and he'll mobilize people to pick on certain creators heather antos becomes the the center point for his ire um in that regard and then a new writer takes over at the gi joe title for idw okay um and naturally given what i've just told you that doesn't sit very well um with mr meyer um why is it a lady well, I'll explain. A man called Aubrey Citizen, and it, it is a, a man, it's not okay. a, a woman, it's Aubrey Citizen. He takes over the title, and yeah. the first thing he does is, there's a, a famous G.I. Joe character, and I don't know much about this character, called Salvo. Never uh, heard of him. He's, um, it means nothing to me either. But anyway, Salvo is a man in the yeah, traditional G.I. Joe canon. Yeah. And for some reason, Aubrey Citizen decides to make Salvo a woman, who is okay. Samoan. Okay. Forced and diversity, you could say. Some could say forced diversity. So anyway, we wouldn't. We wouldn't. But 
he does. So this is kind of the first flex, I suppose, of um, Richard Meyer's influence in the comic book community. Right. And he rants against this. Um, he rants kind again, of stirs the pot big time. Um, no, no, he rants against this. He fully says okay. in an interview later on that he ranted. Okay. Um, and we'll we'll get to that a little bit in a second. He mobilizes people against this comic. He gets them to write directly to IDW, calling for it to be cancelled. Uh, certain right-wing journalists in the United States take his side, saying that it's disrespectful to the military, disrespectful to this, disrespectful to that. Um, unfortunately, Aubrey Citizen then makes a comment, and this is a very poorly judged comment. Okay, but hold on, before you something say Something akin that. to false sympathy for the troops from people who want to start trouble. Okay. So... Many, 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 many uh, conservative and right-wing journalists then turn on this man. And eventually IDW distances themselves with Aubrey Aubrey Citizen. And he loses his job. Are you saying Citizen? He was reached out for comments on that a little bit later. And he never uh, commented on it again. He, He has been quoted as saying, I'd just like to put that whole thing behind me so that was a very messy period for him and um so that was kind of the first time that this this was seen as uh, a big um wave of right-wing influence on certain creators um this is where other conservative comic book creators like ethan van scriver who we've talked about before on the podcast a very long time ago i'm just going to cut across you for a second when you're describing when you're saying right-wing and conservative you're you're exclusively talking in the american sense sorry exclusively in the american sense yes sorry my apologies exclusively in the american sense ethan van scriver has been has has courted a little bit of controversy uh throughout his career he his probably his most infamous action is probably when he penciled the cover of a Sinestro comic, and yes. he titled it "My Struggle" in reference to Adolf Hitler's oh, famous yeah, yeah. self-pen book "Mein Kampf." Which oh, is I see. My That's a bit political, isn't it? That's a very political move. Anyway, he's a huge fan of Hitler. Of no, possibly he's a huge oh, fan well. of, oh, Richard Meyer, that <laughs> of Richard Meyer and the two of them form an internet friendship where they okay. retweet each other's stuff back cool. each other up on their individual YouTube channels they do a podcast um, together Richard Meyer almost <laughs> um, Richard Meyer pushes sales towards anything that Scriver is on oh, I see and, and things like this so this becomes a little little power couple right uh, in the in the American right wing comics sense sense okay <laughs> right I'm with you so far <laughs> yeah so anyway uh, what what comes later and this is this is now known effectively as as the dark roast uh, the more that uh, Mr Myers YouTube channel grows um, the more people kind of criticize him and things like that so he starts publishing what he calls private videos on his YouTube channels right. Um, and those those private videos are are meant exclusively for what he calls his close fans. Okay. Um, his acolytes. His acolytes. And as you said, Michael, he's perfectly entitled to his opinion as long as it's not harming anybody else. And it would be hard to argue that he did harm anybody majorly outside of sales for DC and Marvel. Those artists right. were still paid and those authors were still paid for their time and yada yada. 
But within these videos, he begins to express what can only be described as a far more uh, misogynistic approach to certain creators in the comic book industry. Um, many writers like Gail Simone, Heather Antos, who we've already talked about, um, artists like Becky Cloonan, etc. He he calls them things like uh, cum dumpsters. Oh no, put the headphones on. This, um, is, this is not family friendly. I did warn. I did warn. Um, yeah. And then he accuses many of them of sucking their way into the industry. Um, he then turns on any male creators that might defend them and begins to accuse them of pedophilia. Um, oh, good. So right. <laughs> Dan Slott, who we've read in Spider-Man comics and the like, was accused of pedophilia uh, by this man. And uh, the initial video was called The Dark Roast, and then he released several more after that. And many people marked that as the transition from dog whistle politics to outright kind of vile politics, I suppose. Um, right. And this this is where Mark Wade gets involved. So Mark oh, Mark Wade, Wade. Famous bald man, Mark Wade. Famous bald man, Mark Wade. Mar- Mark Wade takes great uh, umbrage to, to anything that this man says. And in a bizarre kind of tweet that has a very threatening tone to it, Michael. Um, <laughs> this is brilliant. He kind of calls out... Richard Meyer. He says to his fans, if anybody sees Richard Meyer, please send him to my booth at this event. Uh, so there's a, a okay. Comic-Con of some Ooh. kind happening. I think it might be New York Comic-Con, but I'm not 100% sure. Right. If Mark Wade threatened to beat me up, I wouldn't be too worried. Uh, yeah, n- neither would I, Michael. But I, I, what Wade later said was that he wanted to have a calm discussion with this man and try and find out where he was coming from and why all this vitriol was was being spouted from his channel. Um, and That's they said, do right, have right. a conversation. They they do oh. sit down. They they do a kind of podcast to not together all the time, but they're they're invited onto somebody else's neutral kind of arbiter podcast okay. to duke all this out. But it's never published. Oh. Um, but both creators maintain, both Richard Meyer and Mark Wade maintain that it was a very civil discourse. Okay. Both of them say that they don't know why it was never published, but it wasn't. Okay, we should get them on our podcast. Then, um, Richard Meyer, riding the crest of this popularity, secures a contract with a comic book company called Antarctica Comics. Never heard of them. Antarctica Comics is an independent label, and they have published various comics over the years, but the one that gained them the most kind of notoriety was a comic book that praised Donald Trump. Oh, good, okay. They kind of painted him as a hero in an anime-style comic. Uh, Yeah, it was an interesting choice, but anyway... Apparently, Mark Wade gets in touch with them. Yeah. And we don't know the exact nature of his conversation with them, but it leads to them completely ending their relationship with Richard Meyer. Oh. So his comic, Jawbreaker, which was about a group of army vets turned vigilantes, kind of a Punisher-style A-team, if you will, is dropped by their label. Richard Meyer sees this as direct intervention from Mark Wade. Mark Wade says that it was no such thing. And he's like, yeah, mate, I just told him you were a racist. And Derrick Comic says we were in no way influenced by Mark Wade. Okay. Um, and so he launches a huge campaign um, against any creator he sees as an SJW. 
And this leads to the summer of 2017, seeing a ton of diverse creators from many walks of life being directly targeted in in Twitter campaigns, which are bordering on hate campaigns. Um, All right. There are attempted doxings. Um, oh, good. And things like that. Doxings are um, always amusing, aren't they? Uh, yeah, they're great. It's a great way to ruin someone's life um, for their thoughts and opinions. It's lovely, really. Um, and basically, a lot of creators, a lot of independent creators, especially a lot of new creators, turn their accounts private and change their last names on social media to avoid being targeted in these kind of schemes. Um, and then if what, what becomes really interesting is, I suppose, and where it becomes really dirty kind of back and forth is in response to this, Mark Wade and other creators decide to kind of advocate the same from oh. their fans. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. So it becomes a bit of monkeys flinging feces at one another. Um, and unfortunately for, uh, Richard Meyer, or not, unfortunately, depending on how you feel about him, he loses that battle. Uh, okay. Because apparently there are a lot more people interested in diversity in comics than he suspected. Um, he has his Patreon targeted. Okay. Uh, in an attempt to have it shut down, basically, hundreds of people write to Patreon claiming that this man is making money off hate speech. Um are you familiar with the comedian, um, the Australian comedian? His name escapes me. Jeff. No, I'm not going to get it. Y- yes. Um, oh, I can't remember. Anyway, he has a show. Um, he has a show where he kind of does political takes in comedic fashions. Yeah, and he, he famously enjoys... uh, does a thing Jim about Jeffries. gun violence. Yeah, Jim gun Jeffries. violence in America. Jim Jeffries is involved in this? Jim Jeffries gets Richard Meyer on his show. Oh, uh, to defend himself, and uh, Richard Meyer, he does a whole episode on diversity in comics. Um, okay, and Richard Meyer basically shows zero remorse on this show for people having lost their jobs as a direct result of his actions. He will often say, "That's exactly what I wanted." Um, okay, I don't believe these people should have a platform, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, to say that the interview is a bit of a hatchet job on Richard Meyer would be fair. Um, I'm no great advocate of him, but you can see that it's a real attempt at gotcha journalism. Okay, yeah, I suppose. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that tape, the the dark roast surfaces within this interview, and because Jim Jeffries has a nationwide audience, um, yeah. effectively every single liberal kind of um. Anyone who would be against that type of conservative politics in America gets on board and has a go at at uh, Richard Meyer, and it effectively drains his power. He okay. does. He closes his Patreon down. Yeah. Um. And at the start of this year, he changed the name of his channel. Right. Um. To? Because he has refused to ever engage with the label Comic Gate. Okay. Um. He feels that it unfairly paints him in a certain light. He changed his name from Comics and Diversity to Comics Matter. Um, okay. Now, the format of his channel has not changed. Right. However, his channel has also not grown at all. Okay. He topped out in 2018 at around 104,000 subscribers. Okay, um, that's not huge. He's now 106,000 subscribers. So okay, he's that's really not lost huge. A lot of the... That's... 
But I mean, no. that's a disproportionate amount of influence for a relatively tiny YouTube channel. I think one of the things that probably makes him so prolific in that community is, number one, conservative creators will get on board with him. Right. And back him up. And number two, he releases around three to four videos a week. Okay. Like and Brian's one of his favorite things one of his favorite things to do is simply take a comic book and yeah. tear it apart. Literally. Um, literally. How he ends his segment when he doesn't like a comic is he rips it in half. Okay, very good. Very to clever. let you know that he thinks it's uh, virtue signal SJW garbage. I wish I could have done that with the Artemis Fowl film. Yeah, but it's a digital release, you see, so we don't have a yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't rip it apart. Yeah. Two. Um, I think... It would be unfair to say that it was Richard Mayer's movement. I think it would be unfair to say... I think he certainly regrets many of the opinions he's put out. He, he has worked so hard to remove his name from it. He now calls it Comics Matter with your boy, Zach. So he doesn't even use his his real name anymore. Oh, really? these reviews. Um, it is his channel. Um, because you can still email him at diversityandcomics at gmail.com. <laughs> Don't, um, though. Don't. No, sorry. That was not a call to action. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying he has not effectively distanced himself from his original brand. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we have that kind of clout, Michael. I think we're probably safe. Um, but what Comicsgate did, I suppose, more than anything else, Michael, the, the main drama of it is that it was established creators versus defending new creators against a conservative wave of American politics. Um mm. But it really does expose a large schism in the comic book community because many people side with his opinions. And I think something that's probably more indicative, if they don't publicly support him, anything that he launches on Kickstarter or Indiegogo surpasses its target with ease. Okay. And is fully published. Um, One of the more interesting Irish things, Michael, is um, when his Jawbreaker line was originally announced... Many uh, distributors announced that they would not be stocking it. Really? Uh, and what he did was, Michael, he mobilized his fan base to harass those distributors. One of those distributors was Big Bang Comics here in Dublin. Oh, really? And they were the target of one of his um, smear campaigns. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so it hits a little closer to home, Michael, than you might think. So he definitely had international influence at a certain point. I, I certainly don't think he has it anymore um but his channel is still alive and still going and still leading away but i would argue that he's a much more bitter man than initially painted he was certainly very careful in the beginning but those private videos kind of exposed a more mm, aggressive side to his form of politics mm. um as i said i i personally would not subscribe to any of his views. Um, They're not my cup of tea at all. Um, But I would also have to give myself a little bit of self-shaming. And when I was younger, I would have read the type of comic that he was into and I would have probably, you know, there would have been a part of me that would have struggled to understand changing some of my favorite characters. Um, So I can kind of see where certain people fall into that trap of enjoying his content. It certainly wouldn't be anything I'd stand behind anymore. Mm. Um, and I would say that he is in the wrong, but that would be my entirely personal opinion. Um, 
and I think many of the bigger creators have kind of said, I don't think this man understands how the industry works, how the the way that it's progressing. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's very much an artifact of its time, 2015 to 2000, and, well, to now, I suppose. Um, the bad years. Would have been, now. well, I think from 2015, certainly through to 2018, doxing was huge. Um mobilizing your fan base against another creator was huge you know and he became a, a very useful poster boy for those events in the comic book community um it's certainly not his movement um i think that element of bitter well, not bitter that's unfair uh, there's an element of disgruntled comic book fan out there that is not on board with the new line of comics it should be pointed out that this is particularly in regards to dc and marvel yeah 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 and superhero comics yeah superhero um, comics really isn't it Ima- image comics don't suffer from this in the same way um because well, they don't have legacy characters that you can toy with that's it yeah no one is upset that um the leads in saga are are black and asian because yes, nobody cares they were written out like that from the start they yeah Fair yeah, 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 yeah. Mm, I see. And so it's it's an interesting thing. I hope, Michael, I've managed to disclose that to you in as neutral a manner as possible. I know I slipped on occasion. Oh, look, Ben. I like. I mean, here. it doesn't have to be entirely neutral. If you if you don't agree with something, um, you don't agree with them. But uh, okay. Well, look, Ben. I'm going to have to have a little read myself and find out. Um, yeah. Find out the find out uh, what's going on because very interesting. Yeah. I mean, probably is, a bit out of it date. It is interesting. But, uh, it just, I, I never really paid it any attention when it was going on. Well, now you've got a, a Sparknotes version. Yeah, so uh, I can have a look and see what's the real truth. Give a delve. <laughs> um, I, I did, I should point out, Michael, yes. I have researched this one heavily. Good. Um, because it's such a contentious topic. Yes. I have several pages of notes here, and I have done my best to stay completely within those confines. If anyone would has a Ben's retraction there that they that I've made a mistake on or if anyone understands a little bit better about this please do get in touch with us and and let me know um I'm by no means an expert that is a very rough guide to it um if you know any more about it than I do or if I made a huge error somewhere I don't think I did but I might have let us bloody know um uh, let us bloody know get in touch with us there are several ways you can get in touch with us ladies and gentlemen oh, just Ben before um, that just on the topic of Ben's retractions um, it's been pointed oh. out to us that it was actually Dr. Stephen Cadwell Dr. Stephen Jezebel Cadwell who uh, recommended what we do in the shadows to me not you so he would like a retraction from you for that please oh yeah okay so that's a huge huge retraction to Dr. Stephen Jezebel Cadwell um, for that egregious <laughs> um, claiming of of series recommendation. I'm Good. so sorry. Excellent. Okay. Very. I'm nice. so sorry. All right. Um, I think we can come on the podcast again soon. <laughs> All right, guys. If you would like a retraction from me in any form, you can get in touch with us in several different places. <laughs> uh, we are on showmorebeag.com. S e o m r a b e a g dot com. He's tiny room in Irish. It does. You can find us on Instagram at showmorebeag. S e o m r a b e a g. Still means tiny room. Irish. It still means tiny room. It hasn't changed. No. Linguistics don't do that. No, um, sometimes they do. But it, um, moving on from there, you if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, do give us an L review. Stick an L review um, down there. Give an L review down there. We could use it. It always helps to boost our profile. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening to us on Spotify, which is more than likely where you are listening to us, do us a favor. 
give us an hour follow number one and number two to be needy little podcasts um, please share us on your Instagram story that is actually a great way for us to get out there get the message um, out there Ben so if you think anyone would be interested in today's topic or any of the other topics that we've covered please get in touch with us uh, or please share us with all your pals um, if you're listening to us on Google Podcasts good on you I don't really know enough about it to tell you what to do give us a follow yeah do something positive in our favour do something positive in our favour if there's anything you'd like to hear us cover on the podcast also get in touch with us that'd be great yeah, what that's ha- it from us this we, week ladies and gentlemen what are we talking about next Bye-bye. week what are we talking about next week Ben oh sorry next week ladies and gentlemen if you'd like to fill us in on a little bit more we're tackling all things modern Irish culture we're going to be taking a look at the Artemis Fowl series we're probably going to have a route around some new Irish comic books that have come out recently and we're probably going to take a look at the modern representation of the Irishman um, in various places such as for example Susboss this boss uh, so it'll be number five of our, so, yeah. our classic so. Michael and Benjamin's podcast this boss excellent um, so we'll talk to you then ladies and gentlemen Bye-bye. see you next week bye 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 don't be uh, don't be bad people be good people